Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my vampire buddy, Ben Bumhopper. Ah, uh, you think that you'll get away with this? I'll stop you! Ha! Ah, ah, ah. Hey, Ryan. I, I don't know. I tried to get our first topic in with my intro. It, it, it kind of worked a little bit, not really. So yeah, I, I, I was more alluding to the, the new D&D book. <laughs> I know. Coming there's there, there's a, oh my gosh. There's a, a lot, lot to talk about tonight. About. <laughs> That's true. There really is. We should, we should probably get into it. Uh, we've got, we got two, two things we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, I mean, that's actually kind of the normal thing that we do. Amazing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about combat role play, mm-hmm. which is super interesting and I think gets overlooked a lot in yes. games. Um, and then we've actually got a pretty big mailbag uh, because we had uh, a lot of great questions sent in. So we wanted to make sure that we hit on all those as well as talking about um, some stuff with, with wizards and uh, a new book that was just announced and candle class wizards. Yes. Not the class wizards and candle keep mysteries is coming out here in like what, two weeks or something, something like that. I, it's so <laughs> close that I just can't believe it. I mean, the, the beginning of the year has gone by so fast <laughs> that I'm just kind of like, Oh, there's, there's new stuff coming. This is, this I know. Is great. It's, it, it feels like we're, we're getting, we're getting things rolling and, oh, and stuff, stuff's, stuff's happening. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's dive into our first discussion and that's, and that's combat RP. And so when I, when I say the term combat role play, um, it's a little, it's a little nebulous. And so this, what I'm referring to is, so your, your DM says role initiative. Mm-hmm. And then everything that happens after that is, goes into basically combat mode from, from a D and D perspective. But just because combat starts does not mean role play needs to end. In fact, I would, I would say that uh, you're almost doing yourself a disservice if you just do combat. Because so much can be accomplished, so much story can happen while combat is playing out and, and not in a quote-unquote social encounter and so one of the things one of the things i i've really been trying to do in my games lately is is build that sense of story that injection of story into combat where it's not just a roll to hit this guy is here that guy's here he's snarling at you it takes a swipe at you blah, blah blah there's there is that but at the same time too especially if you are fighting um, in more intelligent enemies, uh, one of the best things you can do to further a story, to further the stakes, is dialogue back and forth. And that doesn't even have to be just the DM to players. This can be player to player in character while you're, you're doing stuff. Uh, and it's, it's just like that, that friendly combat banter that goes back and forth. Just like uh, think of it uh, a really good example, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. two towers, exactly. Uh, Gimli and Legolas just going back and forth as they are killing these Urukai. And I got one. It's just like, you couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. that's probably not an actual line <laughs> from the movie, but so it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, 
approximated, but it's, it's basically, it's that style. It's that feel of the back and forth that, that is definitely more, um, jovial. (laughs) Um, but you can also have the, the, the tension, the, the drama, more, um, serious type stuff going back and forth, reacting to what is happening to other characters. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk through, discuss that a little bit. Ben, what do you think of this whole just like combat RP type type subject? I mean, it, it, it kind of starts very simply with just describing what you're doing because that adds like just the first layer of flavor on top of, uh, you know, any sort of, of combat. So it could be I roll, okay, you hit. Roll, I missed. You know, you could do that. Or, and I'm guilty of this, I need to do better at it. And that is, you know, describing the hits, describing the the misses. Because, you know, a, a miss doesn't necessarily mean, oh, well, they swung their sword and totally missed you. It means it might have hit their shield. It might have glanced off their armor. You could have, you know, uh, dodged out of the way. You know, there, there's there's little bits right there that add to it. And again, it, it uh, gives players as well as DMs a chance to kind of, you know, build more style into their character as opposed to just you know, oh, well, I'm a, uh, I'm an arrogant person. Well, bring that through into your fighting, you know, be, you know, one of the things that's super easy to do, just say, I attack and go, ha ha, you know, just something like that. But then build a layer on top of that. Do you insult this, this, this thing that you're fighting? Are you scared? Um, are you adventurous? You know, kind of think about it that way. Do you have some sort of like rivalry with them? Um, or is this like the big bad evil guy who's been fighting you along the way for years in game? And finally, this is your chance to kind of, to get up at them and, you know, give them a chance to, to maybe monologue at you. You can kind of monologue back and do a whole bunch of fun stuff like that. It's just building layers upon the, the pure bones of just combat. Oh, totally agree. And this is, this is something I've in my personal style have been trying to get better about doing is you, you don't want to over narrate because over narrating can turn into I'm adding 30, 40 minutes <laughs> yeah, to this exactly. combat that it doesn't need. So there, there's certain things that not, not every single hit not every single attack necessarily needs narration or mm-hmm. needs flourishy narration. You could wait until they they make their first that make their full set of attacks or whatever, and then you'd be like, you swing, swing, and then you're not describing every single hit. Exactly. Every single little move as it happens, roll it all into one that can that can save you a lot of time and still get you pretty much the same type of thing. Um, as a DM, especially once you're more comfortable, uh, like Ben was saying, turn the approximation of hits or misses depending on what the, the die roll is. Um, and this is, this is something, like I said, it's, it's probably a little more advanced once you're comfortable. But like if this person misses their armor class by like, you know, 10 or something like that, that might be a the thing just dodges out of the way. You trip over a rock a little bit and miss swing. Mm-hmm. Whereas they get super close to that armor class and they glancing blow off their shield. They hit the wrong spot in the armor and it deflects. Um, 
the enemy catches their blade as it comes down and smiles mirthlessly at them. <laughs> it, it's the same type of thing. Uh, you can do that again for like overhits if you want to, or so it's, but it, it just adds a lot of flavor in. And it also is a great way to do it because especially once you start getting into higher levels, these are trained professionals. They're not going to just miss yeah. very often. <laughs> it's most likely going to be a combination of circumstances happening or the enemy doing something to stop them from hitting. And so like I said, it's it's something that's it's a little more advanced, but a, a miss doesn't have to be a miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really interesting. I like that you kind of touched on the big bad guy, uh, and this can kind of uh, bleed into personal story characters. If you're fighting somebody or having combat or um, you know something like that with a personal story character really get into that make that enemy talk directly to that player that has that backstory with them that has that emotional connection with them or that has that confrontation with them or taunt them or you know don't be too concerned about the whole every round is just 6 seconds thing yeah yes th- in in mechanically every round is six seconds worth of time, but that doesn't mean that you need to strictly adhere to that. If you want to have a mini conversation or a mini back and forth between a character and an enemy or a character and another character. Now you don't want that to get out of hand. (laughs) You don't don't want it to be a monologue. Yeah. You don't necessarily need it to be a monologue. You don't necessarily as a player You don't want to be metagaming all these strategies and stuff during this combat window. But at the same time, yelling back and forth to other characters, little quips back and forth, uh, a, a mini discussion or something that the... Uh, after uh, an enemy does an attack that actually really hurts the, the person that's has been their arch rival for forever. Yeah. Let them gloat a little bit. Let them taunt a little bit. Let them, let them get in some words. um, And, and at the same time, allow a little bit of like out of turn conversation. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have to necessarily say something and then wait. Okay. Billy's going, Tommy's going, there's the Christie's going, Okay, now you can respond to what yeah, no, you, don't. you said four turns or four, four people. or No, no, no. Like allow, allow that free flow. It, it's basically do what you need to do to keep the flow going, but inject that story as well. Exactly. And I mean, it could be something as simple as, uh, like Ryan said, you know, don't give like very strategic commands and, and plot and everything, but you could do something along the lines of, um, you know, of your sword hit, but you don't think that it, 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 it did as much damage as it normally would. And just say, I think you might be resistant to, ma- to weapons or slashing or, or something like that. You know, like you're able to kind of influence things that way by, you know, calling things out to your party. Um, in fact, in the group I DM for, we have a bard who is notorious for trying to charm things. But the thing is, is if 
she doesn't convey it to the rest of the group, they don't necessarily know that it's charmed and might attack it. So she, she'll yell something like, this guy's our buddy now, or, you know, something like that, just super fast, just to, to kind of, you know, let the battlefield know. It's, it's a way of kind of RPing out the moment in just the tiniest little bit, just to, you know, kind of keep it going and make things kind of under, you know, understandable a little bit more. But um, if we're going to something more along the lines of uh, like a long thing that you want to say or talk about, like I, I keep thinking back to the end fight in Final Fantasy VIII. I don't know if you ever got that far. I don't know if you remember that, but you're fighting this, this evil witch thing. And like, as you're fighting, like she just constantly monologuing, like at different bits. Like I think once you hit certain uh, hit point thresholds, it'll just start monologuing for a little bit. And I just, I keep thinking of a, of a BBEG just, Oh yes. And then I'm going to ruin the world and blah, blah, blah. And this is what's going to happen. And then, you know, a round or two might go by and I'm going to, to uh, uh, desecrate your corpses and put your heads on spikes and, you know, just like completely like doing this, this total horrible stuff. And then, oh, maybe they're at half health and they realize, oh, I got to get out of here. And then <laughs> they start kind of like, uh, and I will come back and get you. <laughs> and, you know, like, I'll come back to put your heads on spikes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, just, you know, y- you can also tell stories with the flow of combat that way you know, just, it's, it's a complete RP experience with it, but you're conveying that information. It's useful. But on top of that too, it's fun. It, it, it allows you to have that little bit of an sense of story with it and, you know, just have all those layers and it, it makes combat like so much more cinematic. It can make the climax even like higher based on things that were said or conveyed during combat or even more so it could cause that extra layer of drama or emotion. Like uh, in plus five to hits, there was an instance where your character, who was my sister in the game, got knocked out. Next round of combat, I had to roll to see if I saw it or not because I was, you know, around a corner. But if I had saw that, immediately what I would do is yell her name, run to her and do what I could as opposed to, you know, just doing the smart hey we're playing a game thing i know that she's got three death saves i'm probably good for a little bit but no being able to just run right in scream samantha and then throw a healing word on her or something it it, mm-hmm. it adds that little bit of story and, and flavor to it yeah uh 100 it's it's very much uh it, it can it can help in some ways to do that because it, it allows you to help think in terms of what your character would do in that situation. It's just another, uh, another time, another extension where you can kind of dive into the mindset of your character. And Ben used an absolute great example um, for that from a, from a drama perspective. One of, uh, one of the D and D shows I love to watch uh, is, is dimension 20. And they're, they're currently, I'm currently watching the second season of unsleeping city, which uh, is, it's a five East, campaign that takes place kind of in modern day in New York that has this like human world, magical world. It's super, super fun uh, campaign. One of the, the recent episodes they're having combat and one of the characters was fighting these ghosts and the ghost got a scream off and he aged 20 years. And, (laughs) and so it was just this like 27 year old that all of a sudden became like a 47 year old. And so, and then the in game, all the characters who were with him 
we're we're just having like a just ribbing ribbing him uh and kind of there and he himself was just having fun with the the situation that he had been put into and so it was it was a really it was really fun interesting thing and it's it was a great uh great way to kind of show that you can still have rp during combat yeah and like little things like that helps also build camaraderie with the players you know just again just having fun with it and joking around it again can you know dramatically kind of hide some tension or at the same time it's still just a game so everybody guess what have fun with your game play around with it and you know it just gives you that chance to kind of uh, pepper in a, a lot more fun into the combat. So, you know, seriously, have some fun, inject some story, and just really, you know, bleh. I'm just repeating myself at this point and rambling. But, I mean, just, you know, adding in that that level of, of uh, play style to it to just adds to your character, which is something I always say to do, and that level of fun. Yeah, totally agree. It's uh, it's something. Again, get the mechanics down first. Get your character stuff down first. But once you do, once you feel comfortable, jump in. Feel free to experiment around with stuff like that, and just just have fun with it. Um, it'll definitely add another layer to your games. Because believe it or not, Dungeons and Dragons is a game. It's true. A game with many layers. <laughs> some like some metaphorical, yeah, and some <laughs> some literal. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Um, well, let's uh, let's move on a little bit and jump into our mailbag. And these questions are all from Mick. Uh, thank you, Mick, for sending mm-hmm. all these in. Uh, there's a lot of really good ones, so we'll just dive right in real fast. Uh, number one. How do you guys approach characters acquiring special items or magic weapons? How does your approach change depending on the rarity of the item? Do you have characters acquire components to make them? Do you have them fall off bosses? Curious to hear your thoughts. So Ben, uh, why don't you take uh, why don't you take this one first, and then I'll dive into my philosophy. <laughs> on all right. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, to answer all those questions with one single word, yes simple as that um okay so magical weapons i have definitely been guilty of handing them out because they're fun uh but by a certain level you want to make sure that your players do have magical weapons because they're just going to start running into resistance after resistance after resistance of non-magical weapons that just that's just not fun so having them there is is definitely a good thing um the rarity on that though that is kind of interesting in fact i i can't super go into some of that because i know that i have players that listen but what i will say is is that um you know lower level uh, magical items and weapons is in in the world that i run anyway is perfectly fine magic is everywhere man like superficial magical items sure they're they're kind of easy to get like you know a ring protection might be a little bit higher on the end but at the same time my players have an alchemy jug because it's fun. And I thought, Hey, why not? Um, in fact, one of the first sessions, uh, my bard ended up enchanting her weapons when I had no idea what 
gold should actually be worth. So she got enchanted weapons like in our second campaign or a second session. So those are all nice and magical. I've, I've learned since then. Um, but basically rarity for me, it really depends on the world that you're running with. And of course the quality uh, or, or super rarity of it is some, I'm just not making sense tonight, <laughs> but if it's something that's super rare, I don't just like litter them all over the place because it should be something special. Um, aside from that though, like I haven't had anybody actually craft anything yet, mainly because they haven't really gone looking to craft anything. You know, I don't know if that's a fault on my part for not really uh, having it be something that's available to them. Maybe they, they don't see that or I'm just kind of giving them enough loot and things to kind of fulfill any sort of gaps or needs that they have. You know, it, it could be one of one thing, one of something else. Not sure on that. Um, but more so, I always try to have, you know, some sort of loot when there's bosses just because I figured they had a really big challenge Aside from maybe a level, I'd like to give them something along with that, whether it's a reward uh, from, you know, some sort of bounty kill or something uh, versus, you know, it's like, oh, well, obviously this mad wizard had a treasure pile with some enchanted magical stuff in it because they're a wizard. Why wouldn't they? And, you know, give them access to those coffers and, and just different things like that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's all good stuff. And, and, I'll, I'll dive in a little bit to my like loot philosophy, but I will, I will echo Ben just at the beginning and say, yes, <laughs> yes to all the, all the above. Um, well, good. I'm like, glad we agree on that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, it's not just one single thing. It's, it's definitely a mixture of everything from like an acquiring um, and the approach it's, I'll, I'll kind of take all those questions and wrap them up hopefully in one, cohesive <laughs> cohesive answer yeah, so much better than the rambly one that i just gave <laughs> i don't know well you'll have to judge that afterwards okay. so um my my approach to loot is is multiple fold so one of the things i like to do from a loot perspective is i like to create items i like to create custom items um and in doing so i usually customize them at least in some way to the character that they will be going to. Um, how they acquire them is widely varied. Um, and when, when I do that is, is also widely varied. But the, one of the ways I, I like to give loot is to create special items for the characters, whether it's creating a brand new item or taking an existing, existing item and tweaking it to, to my liking. Um, and then sometimes, not all the time, uh, but sometimes, depending on what those items are, those items, I, I like to call them uh, like the artifact type items that will then grow in power with the, with the players, with the characters, um, either at certain intervals, at big moments, at uh, something, some unknown to the player set of things that they have to do or whatever, like one of the, one of my campaigns had a, uh, a cursed, cursed bow that every kill he got, I was keeping track of it. And after a certain amount of kills with it, it basically unlocked its next level of power. 
Um, so there's, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. But again, I don't do that for all, all items that I specially make, but it is fun to, to have that, that option. Um, so the, so there's that, then there's like boss loot. Um, a lot of times, uh, you, you've got multiple choices for boss loot. You've got the random loot tables, which are totally fine. Know that it can introduce some, (laughs) some potential unbalancing or some potentially wildly useful or on the counterpoint, wildly useless items, depending on the party, party makeup and the situation they're in doing a land-based campaign and you get a folding boat rolled on a random loot table. Well, that's going to go into the bag of holding and never be used (laughs) until the end when you're on the, the, when you just randomly go to the water and you're just like, I got a folding boat from (laughs) 15 levels ago. The one moment when you're magically transported into the plane of water and you're like, Oh, a boat. (laughs) Yeah. But, but for the most part, uh, those are the types of loot that, don't feel that good and are usually forgotten just like written down and forgotten somewhere uh, or not even written down at all. If, especially if they have no like bearing to, to what the the party is doing or the type of campaign you're running. So it's the, the, the rolling on loot tables is, is definitely a mixed bag. Um, definitely pair the loot to to the boss like so if they're if they're fighting certain things and they're fighting things that have magical items that could be potentially taken afterwards what i normally do is i kind of look at the the types of creatures they're fighting and then i'll look through the pre-made magic items because there is a ton of them now oh so many yeah what what type of item magic item might this wizard have or this this uh high-end bandit or you know whatever um and then you can have those if they manage to kill kill the enemy uh you can have those drop or they can be in a layer or uh, a chest or you know whatever in the hideout Mm -hmm. so that's another way and then finally uh well not not quite finally then you have the the gifted items and those are ones that you can get to give to the people um, for quest completions, for jobs done um, as tribute or service, or just a plain like crap. I really haven't given this player any chance of getting items. Uh, is a gift from your benefactor <laughs> type type thing. Uh, Who will a, make themselves known later when mm, I figure it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's 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 one of those. That's it's a great way to to like inject some stuff if you uh, if you've been too a little too stingy or if you've just forgotten. Um, so so that's that. And then finally, the other the the last way I use is money. Um, and this is a way to semi let the players, if there's a magic item they know about and they want, and it's level appropriate and it's affordable, basic, let them buy it. And it's, it's, it's a, and that is the way that the players can kind of, at least in some ways within, within some limits, uh, affect the types of items they want to get 
or uh, if you're a player and you want to do one of those money things, talk to your DM and, and say, hey, uh, I'm interested in this item, this item, this item. And the DM might go, oh yeah, well, you'll be in a, a big city or you'll be in a, in a place that makes them or something like that. Uh, this might be really expensive, but you, you might be able to afford like this or this. Uh, you should be able to find somebody who will, who will sell that or um, that's, that's a great goal to work, work towards and save up, save up for that, that type of thing. So it, you may, you may not just let them go, okay, search D&D Beyond, see what you want <laughs> type, <laughs> type thing. You may give them like, this magic shop has this list of five or 10 magic items. Feel free to pick from them if any of them look interesting to you. But it's, that is another great way of uh, loot distribution via player choice. Mm-hmm. And remember too, there is some inherent balancing um, within the game, which is nice uh, so that you, unlike some previous editions, you don't have to worry too much about overpowering your players uh, too much. <laughs> there's, there's, there's caveats, of course, in, in all those things, but with the attunement system, you can only have three items at a time. There are, you you got to watch about giving them too many passive or active items that don't require attunement. Mm-hmm. Um, but the attunement system limiting to three attuned items is in itself kind of a built-in balancing, um, balancing mechanism of sorts. Uh, so that, that can help in the, I think I've given out too many, too many things. Um, <laughs> and if you have, there's always mechanisms to pull those back, whether it be um, demanding tribute uh, of magic items or something like that in, in a certain story context, sacrificing of magic items to, to do a thing, to gain a boon, to you know do something like that. Or heck, or, to create those magic items that they want. Exactly, or to create the magic items they want. Um, and I mean, it's... It's it's really it's really interesting, uh, but maybe even and I'm and I'm just kind of like running through all this in my head right now. Uh, don't forget that you can also give um, single or multiple use magic items out too mm-hmm. as rewards that will kind of self balance themselves because you can use this item three times or you can use this item two times or you can use this item one time or whatever. Uh, And so those can be really great to give without worrying about, I'm just giving power, 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 and know that this is a cool item, but they'll have to pick the right moment to use it. Exactly. And if uh, push comes to shove and they want a magical item more than anything else, give them a cloak of billowing. It is endless fun, doesn't require attunement. Everybody should get one. Yep. <laughs> Seriously, best cloak in the entire game. It's it's a pretty incredible cloak. Um, as far as the as far as the crafting stuff goes, there's not there there are basic guidelines, but there's not a ton of like hard rules for that. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is gonna be up to you. Um and it, it's possible and usually um if someone wants an item enchanted or something, 
maybe the magic shop has that the stuff they need on it. Maybe the magic shop sends you out to get something and that can turn into a story or a little side quest all of its own. So there's, there's a lot of different things you can do with that. Um, a lot of it's in, in some ways is up to your discretion, but there are, as we both just described, there are several mechanisms you can pull on to give and distribute loot. And if you're looking for something more like a level range, like how much loot and what levels or what rarity should my party have by X, Y, or Z, Xanathar's Guide to Everything actually has that as a table, actually has a section on magic item distribution. So if you're looking for that or want that specifically and you have Xanathar's, that's in the guide and you can check that one out. And the best part is, is it really is a guide to everything. It's a great book. Yeah. Like of the, of the supplemental books, I always recommend that and Tasha's very good to have. Yep. Very good to have. Uh, Okay. Question number two, how do you approach a player who is bored or unhappy with their character and wants to make changes mid campaign? The good news is, is we actually kind of covered a lot of this in our last episode. We did. And it's possible these were sent before before the the last episode, but yeah, I would mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend um, going back and listening to the last episode because I think we covered pretty much most very of what in we depth. Would say yeah, again for for that question. Yeah, quick summary though. Basically, um, always just you know have an open discussion with your player and you know kind of figure out what could change what could happen to you know make the game more enjoyable yep because it's all about making sure that your player's having fun yep if they're not having fun for some reason then it becomes a discussion and then you have that talk and there's no one size fits all to that but uh flexibility is good and Mm -hmm. uh small changes are usually pretty easy big changes require more thought and more uh, decision-making as they go in. But like, like we've both been saying, we do cover a lot of that in the last episode. Yep. Um, number three, uh, how would you motivate a newer player or guide them to research the depths of their character more? I have a few newer people that could probably squeeze a lot more juice out of their character, but seem to be a bit reluctant to do so. Hmm. Well, one of the things requires a lot of time investment. <laughs> um, and I mean, I do it just because it's entertaining as heck. And that is, you know, maybe find a game that is in a, or uh, that's being played, like a campaign that's being played online on Twitch or, or on YouTube or something along those lines and try to find a, a character that is similar in class to what the player has. And you might be able, depending on how that person plays, might be able to kind of uh, glean some, you know, different things or abilities that they're maybe not taking as much advantage of as they could. Now, like I said, that is a huge time commitment, especially in certain instances. And you're obviously not going to find, you know, every single class and like spec choice out there in an online game of some sort. So it's definitely not going to work for everybody. But at the same time, just for understanding the game, I highly recommend that for anybody to do anyway because it's a lot of fun. And uh, believe it or not, you get some really cool ideas out of stuff like that. But 
stepping away from all of that, um, really a, a lot of stuff is just kind of, you know, talking about your character. If they're new to the game, especially if they created their character with you, um, when they level up, spend some time with them, kind of uh, talk about, go over some of the different uh, new abilities that they might have, um, maybe the spell choices that they've made, and you know, really kind of hype some of that stuff up so that it, it makes it a little bit more memorable, but even more so, they'll, they, they'll be more excited to kind of use some of that stuff. Um, now, if it's a very combat-heavy game, then you know, really focus on, oh, you know, um, you're a wizard, make sure that you're choosing appropriate spells for the level, or hey, when you find have a short rest, check this out. This is Arcane Recovery. You get a spell slot back if you are doing this during a short rest. Or, you know, any number one of those things to really kind of give them the idea of like little bits and secrets here and there that they might have kind of glossed over when they were playing their character. Now, the good news is all of this is on their character sheet, especially if you're on D&D Beyond. Um, so they can find everything for, like for in features and traits. They can find, well, heck, features and traits. It's going to have like 90% of the stuff that they need because it is specific to their, their race and their class and also any sort of subclass option that they chose. And that's really the, the best thing I can recommend is just, you know, kind of, especially if they're new, just go over stuff with them. Maybe revisit every couple of weeks to say, hey, do you have any questions? Is there any abilities that you have that you don't fully understand? Um, like one of the, 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 the classes that I still have the hardest problems with is warlocks because I've never played one and they're weird. Um, also, rogues have tons of stuff going for them uh whether it's like a, a jack of all trades thing kind of like how bards have they've got like evasion and dodge i mean they, they've got so many different ways of avoiding damage as well as a bunch of different things they can do in combat that you know really digging in helps you understand what they're capable of which will transfer that to the player as well yeah no those i i think those are a lot of great tips um, I know for me, one of the things that if I'm going to be playing with a, with another player in a longer term campaign beyond just like a, a one shot or a, a, a two session thing, I will recommend that they read the, and it's not that long. It's just a few pages, the, the few pages of their class in the player's handbook. Mm -hmm. It's it, like I said, it's not that long. And that's really the main overview that they need to understand the core of what their class is. Exactly. Not even the subclass stuff in that instance, because uh, every class is, you know, unique in its own way. And no matter what subclass, they all have the same base, like skills and abilities. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's not a massive time commitment, but it's really good to, to get in the mindset and learn and understand the mechanics that are specific to that class and to that character. So that's, that's one thing I would do um, kind of to start with. Uh, otherwise, like um, <laughs> squeezing, squeezing some more juice out of them. <laughs> uh, I think one, it, it, especially if it's a newer player, um, they won't always come to you with a very, a super fleshed out character. Um, it may be a very, a very basic thing. Do not be afraid to let them 
add to their backstory as you go. Uh, sometimes it just takes the player getting more comfortable with playing the game and playing with the, the rest of the people in the DM in their group. And once they start picking up that comfortability a little bit, then they can go, okay, uh, let me think about my character a little more. Um, you can have that discussion with them and say, do you want me to develop what you've put down into something a little deeper and as the dm you can add to it and and develop it and fit it in in the context of your your world or your specific module or campaign uh or again as they get more comfortable and uh they you can have those conversations or they themselves just look back and go man i haven't fleshed out my character very much uh and when that situation comes up. Yeah. Let them flesh out their character. Like it's, it's okay. It's just more material from a DM standpoint that you can work with. So if a, if a player comes to me and is says, I want to flesh out my character more, or I feel like, uh, my, i my backstory is a little lacking compared to everybody else's. So, okay, great. What would you like to flesh out? Is there something I can help you with? Is there a way that I can in, integrate, help you integrate that into my world or integrate that specifically. And then you can have a little dialogue back and forth. Uh, and then hopefully the character comes out more fleshed out from that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. In fact, um, one of the neat things is, you know, for people who are new, who haven't really done a lot of RP or like improv or acting or anything like that, they could come at it in a very, you know, kind of reserved manner. So giving them that opportunity to, you know, just fill in more later is always a good idea. You know, it's, it's the star, the starship troopers. Do you want to know more kind of thing and give them that option to just keep putting more in. And, you know, sometimes just in the middle of RPing, they, they might come up with something and just kind of throw it out there and just accept that and run with it and do what you can. Uh, I had the sorcerer in my group just randomly said, or who's a, a changeling just randomly said, oh yeah, and I was used to uh, kind of play both sides of a war. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's create a war that happened that, <laughs> that this was kind of a part of. So, you know, I've, I've got that coming up at some point, you know, to, 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 to bring back up and into things. And I mean, she just kind of threw it in there, you know, as something that happened and Hey, it, it, it created more of the world for me to play with. And, you know, I'm always for that. Like, as much as I enjoy creating my world, anytime a player is able to give something more and, you know, when they grow more comfortable with it and talk about it more, it, it's absolutely fantastic. Because one, it's less work for me. And two, it just gives them that much more ownership of their character. Shared storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's what exactly. d is, shared storytelling. Uh, okay, so and the, finally, the last one, how do you handle maps for your homebrew campaigns? Do you prefer digital maps to real maps? Okay. This is a weird one for me because, I mean, granted, we're in a pandemic now, so playing a homebrew game, it's uh, a, what a lot of people are doing is, you know, playing over Discord or Zoom or, or whichever. Well, I've always done this because when we started the campaign, uh, there were people who were in, I believe, Minnesota, and then there's someone in California, and then some people here in Arizona. And since then, everybody except for one person now lives in Phoenix. So we could get together, but I'm not going to do that because 
that leaves that other person out. Luckily, uh, I have a wonderful, wonderful person in my life. And she wanted to, uh, at times, you know, have an overhead camera, maybe draw on stuff, some stuff or stream things or whatever. And we've just kind of turned that into the map camera. So I'm actually creating maps from either like dungeon tiles that I bought forever ago for fourth edition or, you know, drawing maps out. Um, I've, slowly started investing all of my money into 3d uh, or three-dimensional like you know walls and flooring and stuff uh in fact uh whiz kids does this it's the warlock sets they're great there's like snap together pieces so that you can like create rooms and buildings so i'm using that along with some stuff that i got from uh, dungeonstone.com which is uh like ceramic pieces uh if you have a 3d printer you can find tons and tons of blueprints to print out your own, you know, architecture and stuff. And uh, we have, you know, I, I spend a fortune on miniatures because I just love miniatures and I love to have them for everything. So for me, I set it up, you know, in a three dimensional space, have a camera pointing at it. And then my players say, Hey, can I move here? Can I move there? And I like doing that. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I also create like kind of area maps on incarnate.com. That's I-N-K-arnate.com. <laughs> and uh, I really recommend that place. Um, you can make free maps. If you uh, pay like something like 15 or 20 bucks for a year, you get like all these tools. And I've made some amazing looking maps from them um, to give out to just, hey, this is the city or this is the map of the region or, you know, something along those lines. You know, nothing that I've used for a battle map yet, although they do have battle mapping, uh, like, templates and stuff on that, which, fantastic to use. I'm, that's how I made the players' houses. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a mixture, but for the most part, for, like, just combat itself, use that. Or, of course, theater of the mind if it's, uh, you know, something that can very easily be done in theater of the mind. Yeah, and we actually had an episode on that. <laughs> the differences, uh, kind of the differences in combat. Um, for me, I'm I'm kind of a, a mix of both, and and it really just depends on what I'm doing. Uh, Incarnate is a great digital tool, for sure, uh, for b- making both overworld maps of of like your full world, continents, regions, whatever. And then, like Ben was saying, they have a battle map functionality now that allows you to make a gridded map uh, that you can then basically save off and export into things like Roll20, Foundry, you know, whatever, these, these different virtual, virtual tabletops. So personally right now during pandemic era, I have been creating maps in Incarnate um, for set pieces, basically. Um, I've also made my overview overworld maps and my continent maps in incarnate. Uh, and then I bring those over to, to my foundry server that I use for my, for my virtual tabletop, uh, for my different groups that I DM. Uh, when I'm in person and, uh, most of my games will transition, uh, hopefully for the most part to in person once like vaccines and stuff, uh, become become normalized and here in a few months what's once it gets a little safer to do so um, I'll probably transition most of my sessions back in person but the nice thing is now I've got all the tools set up that if we need to do uh, 
an online session still here or there, we can, and I can facilitate that. And it's, it's great. When I'm in person, I, I'm a big 3d printing guy. That's, that's kind of what I invested in. Um, so I print minis, uh, I print sometimes props or little train things. And then I've got, uh, uh one of the easiest things is a gridded dry erase board. You oh, can yeah, draw definitely. basically whatever you want and then just erase it afterwards. Uh, and one cool thing you can do with that too is you can buy, combine that with 3D terrain and your 3D miniatures. So they can, you can draw out like building layouts or area layouts or something, then throw some props on uh, to make it, make it pop and make it look a little more real. Throw the, the little miniatures on. I, I love doing uh, stuff with miniatures. Um, and then I've got some uh, books that I've gotten through Kickstarter that are actually like, uh, dry erase maps that you can open the book and lay it out. And so then you can have different, you know, battle maps and stuff like that. So that's normally, normally what I do. Sometimes I'll go the extra mile and I'll build some extra stuff if it's a really big fight or a really specific thing. Uh, but I do like the real stuff when I can, when I'm in person. And then even when I'm in person, I will do theater of the mind sometimes. Uh, probably a little less than I do online uh, because making the battle maps takes a lot more time. It really than, does. <laughs> than throwing some stuff together in person. Um, so you, you kind of have to balance that from a time perspective, but it's, it, it's, it's use all the tools you have at your disposal. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is you can always revert to theater of the mind uh, even for big stuff, uh, it, it's doable. Sometimes if I do a big theater of the mind thing, I'll still have a sheet of paper or still have that, that white, uh, the dry erase board out. So you can kind of make rough estimations of where people are and stuff, but still give you that flexibility that theater of the mind does. Yeah. So, um, that being said, I actually did get a pack of like terrain maps from Amazon, uh, it's just bas- basically a whole bunch of different just types of just flat terrain so that you can, you know, have different themes. Like there's ocean, swamp, um, like magma, like fire and everything. And I just would lay that down and then put things on top of it to, you know, even give it that little extra bit of depth there to, you know, try to, like you were saying, just, you know, build the area. Um, and then one last thing for for digital stuff. Um, there is actually a Kickstarter that's still on and going. I was going. just going to mention oh, that. Perfect. That's, okay. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you're bringing that up because it'll still be going by the time this episode. Comes yeah, it, it's going till either the 9th or the 10th of March. I'm not entirely sure. It's one of those two days, but it's for it's uh, Dungeon Alchemist, and it is just this really cool. Uh, I guess program where basically you just kind of choose the size of your room, and then it just poof creates it like auto populates it with like you know just like a table chairs just different things there's a whole bunch of different themes that have been unlocked like everything's been unlocked for the kickstarter in fact i have the page open right now um and they've raised 1.8 million dollars and it is a fantastic little uh project so uh, you know check that out um i'll try to make a, a note to put a link of that in the show notes um yeah but, but it'll have yeah, maps it's, it's that you can good. make it, in 3D, 3D view or isometric view uh, face down that you will then be able to export mm-hmm. as either images you can print out 
and then have your your minis play on and stuff or uh, images for virtual tabletops like Roll Twenty, like Foundry, like Fantasy Grounds. So uh, yeah, if you're if you're looking for something like that, it does look super super cool, and the Kickstarter will still be going uh, when this episode drops. So definitely check it out, if, especially if you're a DM and looking and and looking to stay more digital or looking for maps to make that you could then print out for your in-person stuff too. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you get a, a license to, to the dungeon alchemist pretty cheap at, I think it's, it's about 36 bucks or so and like just that level. And then of course there's a bunch of extra stuff if you go higher than that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's maps. So thank you very much, Mick, for sending those in. Hopefully those answers are helpful to you and like Mick did, uh, anybody, <laughs> anybody uh, who listens, feel free to email us questions, tweet us questions. Ben will give all that uh, information at the, the bottom of the show, and we'd be absolutely uh, happy to answer stuff for you. Definitely. Uh, jumping into a little bit of our side discussion before we start wrapping things up. Uh, we did, <laughs> as I did allude to with my ridiculous <laughs> vampire joke, uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft Ooh. is coming May 18th uh, to d Beyond, uh, Amazon, bookstores, and your friendly local game shop. Yes. So uh, this is basically going to be a campaign setting book, uh, and it will cover the Ravenloft uh, realm, uh, but not just... Uh, like the the Ravenloft type thing. It will cover several different domains, uh, all more uh, horror type based um, domains. Uh, and we'll give you a bunch of information about them, rules and uh, ways to create your own domains. Uh, as as the, the book says, travel to familiar domains and discover new ones as Ravenloft's expanded domains of dread return for the first time in fifth edition, including rules and advice for building custom domains and dark lords using established horror tropes or your own special blend. Oh my. Discover new backgrounds and trinkets themed specifically for horror settings, uh, new lineages, new two new subclasses, dark gifts, for your characters that flesh out your place in the domain of dread. Uh, a few uh, creatures, uh, a small beastery as well, and a brand new adventure. So yes. Yeah. Th- I'm, I'm really excited about this. I haven't actually done uh, a lot with Ravenloft. Uh, I, I really want to throw some, you know, monsters into my campaign. So we'll see how that goes. I'm, I've, I've got a lot of space to work with. So who knows where Transylvania is going to be? <laughs> exactly. Um, secondly, the so Hasbro, which is the parent company that owns Wizards of the Coast, which makes Magic Gathering and D and D, recently had uh, an, an investor meeting, and they talked a lot about how exponentially. D&D and Magic have been growing over the past several years and they, they've just been 
getting huge and making tons of money and they're they're actually going to be spinning wizards off into its own division which seems like it could be pretty cool maybe give them a little a little more autonomy and stuff uh, but i wanted to to pull out the the main thing from this other than there's there's dnd video games in development there's the the dnd movie that's coming uh out which uh, i hope it's way better than the original one that came out i do too <laughs> um <laughs> there's going to be some tv shows launching there's going to be a magic the gathering animated series coming out in 2022 and so there's a lot of cool stuff but one of the the one point i wanted to grab on and just talk about uh very shortly is dnd will be quote increasing the cadence of its releases so potentially that means we may be getting more than four, the, the normal four books a year that have been uh, the thing for the last, last several years. It didn't specifically say what that cadence would be. So that's what we just kind of wanted to talk about and speculate on a little bit. So Ben, what do you, how do you feel when you hear we're going to increase the cadence of D&D well, releases? It, it really depends on what it exactly it is that they're releasing because like I can have, hundreds of source books come out a year. I mean, well, obviously not that much because I would go broke, but uh, you know, source books, I'm always for, I love source books because you know, I have a homebrew content. So, you know, I just eat this stuff up. However, adding more adventures only brings in more people into D and D it'll feed like the, that hype, that love, that, you know, adventure and quality and everything. So honestly, more of those also good probably never play all of them because I have limited amount of time in my life. But here's the thing. Every time they bring one of those in, there's more magic items, more monsters, more everything for me to pull from anyway. So I'm all for this. You know, if they bump it up to five or six books a year, that's awesome. The only thing I worry about is by bumping it up is the quality going down. Um, as long as they have the staff to, you know, really work on this stuff, as long as they have the imagination to really bring this into, into place, I think it'll work out great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they actually come up with and, and pull from. Yeah. And I, I, I mostly agree with that. I, I, I think four, four releases a year is probably on the lower side from a, from a content perspective. The, the biggest thing I want to see is I want to, I would, I don't want to see more than one, new rules supplement yes come out a year um or even every other year that's 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 the type of thing that makes the game potentially more complex uh or may increase a barrier to entry so you have to be really careful uh about those types of things but on the whole like you said uh if this allows them to get more uh campaign settings books out which are all completely optional if this allows them to get more adventures out, which again are all completely optional. Mm-hmm. In fact, like everything is optional. You could, you could literally just use the free rules and play D and D. Yeah. You wouldn't have a ton of flexibility necessarily, but you could still play quite a bit of D and D even just using the free rules. Like if you want to talk about buying stuff, the, the only things you really would need players handbook monster manual, Dungeon Master's Guide. Mm-hmm. And they sell that in three packs. So what do you yep. know? <laughs> Just the trifecta. That's, that's really all you would need from a buying perspective to play D&D. And so like all this uh, Xanathar's and Tasha's being the, 
other add-ons because they're mm-hmm. more rule supplements um, that would be recommended at this point. So you don't want necessarily too many of those and you don't want those to come out too often yeah. because those, those are the big things. Those, those make the changes and you don't want to have that much divergence, but yeah, I am all for an extra uh, campaign setting or two a year. I'm all for an extra adventure or two a year. I think that could be really good. In fact, I think that could, uh, I would love to see like another monster uh, type book come out. I think that would be really interesting. I would love to see some adventures like specifically built for higher level content, like the 10 to 20 section. I would love to see some uh, one or two adventures for those come out. Uh, to give people a real idea of how to run high-level D&D officially. Because there's not hardly any content like that for 5e. There, there just isn't. So having a nice full adventure in that tier three, tier four section that really helped DMs learn how to run that higher-level stuff and have it more laid out for them would be fantastic i just want there to be an adventure where the team has to kill a trask yeah yeah why not let's see how that plays out why not? i don't know <laughs> there's some great dms guild supplements for those types of things by the way but again yeah. <laughs> it would, i would love i'd love to see some official support for like the tier three tier four stuff so mm-hmm. like i said i for the most part i think this will be very good yeah i think more more optional content that you can then use to draw inspiration from, or if you like playing in the official, in, in official territory, uh, just more stuff to expand your repertoire. So, yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, I, I think we've reached the end, Ben. This is, this is it. But yes. before, before we go, let's talk about some of the stuff that we have been doing. Oh, man. So I kind of hinted at it in our last episode that there is going to be a fair going on in Alexana. And guess what? The fair happened. Um, before that, though, I do want to actually talk about a, uh, a homebrew feat that I kind of threw together. Um, now, I saw something about... Um, well, let me explain first. So, okay. I have a rogue in my party who is an arcane trickster, and she is very much not a rogue like you know doing you know like backstabbing and and sneak attacks and all that you know she's using a lot of spells and nothing wrong with that different way of playing a a rogue in fact that's one of the reasons why arcane trickster was created so looking at it and looking at that like the power increase of all the different uh you know players in my group she's just not really hitting where a rogue normally would so it's making balance a little bit tricky so then I kind of thought about it and I'm like, okay, well, we could always, you know, homebrew sneak attack into it. But I'm like, no, but spells are more than, you know, actual like, you know, random combat stuff like a bow and arrow. Like one spell hit is way more than just a random arrow. So I'm like, okay, let's look at this. Maybe go with like half sneak attack damage. And, you know, I kind of started digging in, researching, trying to figure out what would actually work really, you know, well for something like this. And luckily enough, um, in the homebrew section of 
D&D Beyond, there was already a like sneak attack and they came up with the same exact idea of me of half sneak attack added to spells. So I'm like, okay, cool. I was going around researching more, looking at you know some forum posts and everything. And someone actually recommended adding it to the uh, a spell sniper feat. I'm like, that's really interesting. Okay. That gives them the range of like a, you know, like a long bow or a short bow, you know, depending on the spell. So I homebrewed a spell sniper with half sneak attack damage for my arcane trickster to keep her kind of, you know, again, up to date and, you know, about the same uh, power levels of my other characters. And we haven't gotten into full combat with it yet. And, you know, I even told her too, it's like, okay, there's a chance we could change this. It's, you know, in flux. We're going to see how it goes. But I'm actually just theory behind it all, pretty happy with it. I think it's actually going to come out pretty well. So we'll see how it works out. I'll report on that, let you know, because I'm very curious if I made the right decision or if this is the worst thing I have ever done to my game. And the great thing is you can tweak it. Exactly. You can, you can adjust it. Exactly. Especially if you have that conversation beforehand. It's just like, we're going to try this. If it is crazy busted, we'll tweak it. Oh, definitely. And but, if it's not enough, we'll tweak it. Yeah. And like I said, it to me, about half of the sneak attack. So instead of, you know, five D6, we're looking at two extra D6. I think that kind of fits in line with normal weapon damage. So I, I'm pretty happy with it just from the look. So we'll see how it goes. But anyways, jumping into it, holy crap, Elvenvald showed up to Alexana. And I'm about to cough, so I'm going to mute for a second. Anyways, Elvenvald showed up. <laughs> it is uh, the, the holiday that my cleric actually came up with because uh, he was talking to me about like the church and the hierarchy of the Church of Corallon in my game. And he's like, would it be okay if I, you know, kind of came up with some of the hierarchy and, and, you know, maybe some individuals? I'm like, yes. Like I said, any work that they do, I get to incorporate, less work for me. And it's, again, that shared storytelling. So I was all for it. I was already looking for some sort of holiday already. And he just handed it to me without even knowing that it was coming. And I was so excited. So I'm like, great. Elven Vault, celebration to midsummer, going into transition into fall. This is perfect. And uh, I've been, so I've been keeping a, a, a calendar. I don't, I don't know if I told you. It's a, um, a trick that I learned from Kyle from DM Inspiration or DM Gives Inspiration. Um, so I have a, a planner and I write out what they do like while we're doing it or at least after the session. And I've been following along with this planner and it's at about midsummer. So I'm like, this is perfect. So fit even more. So anyways, they went out, fairs going on. I had a whole bunch of different booths and setups and, and things to do. There was an archery contest and well, what do you know? They're all super good at archery because it was just a, a dex-based thing. So, uh, yeah, they, they all won uh, plush owlbears or plush dragons and, uh, like, the, the really, like, ostentatious, like, uh, red and, and uh, orange, like, top hats with, like, the multicolors on it and stuff. And, like, I just totally had way too much fun coming up with, like, you know, stupid fair prizes. Excellent. Um, we went through, there was a fighting pit and I had uh, like spell slingers, uh, full arm armor and armor 
or armed in armor combat and then just you know bare knuckle brawl and my paladin did the bare knuckle brawl and the fully armed one so i'm like okay great and then the rogue and then the sorcerer both did the spell slingers so i didn't expect two people to choose that so guess what they went against twins so i just took the character sheet for the one added another name to it and just reused it for the next duel it was great excellent oh yeah <laughs> like at first i'm like okay i'm gonna make a character really quick i'm like why would i do that i have one right here we're doing this so yeah perfect um and they were both like totally obnoxious elves too so it was absolutely perfect um in fact if you've ever watched the legend of Korra, it's the brother and sister like from the the, the second season kind of like them <laughs> but anyways um we had a pie eating contest which was absolutely fantastic our goliath bard uh, was out on the first pie because she rolled an, a natural one. Lots of fun in there. Um, our, our rogue actually ended up winning the entire thing, which was really great. Um, all that was was just a, a simple con check. And with each pie, I just made the check harder and harder and harder and, you know, knocked out some NPCs, knocked out players. Um, we had a, a, a drinking contest. It was a, a tag team drinking contest, kind of similar to the one that uh, Matt did on Critical Role. Um, Gosh, what else did we do? Oh, I had an exotic petting zoo um, where, like, you know, I, I had a, a bunnicorn, which, you know, a, a bunny, but with the, the unicorn horn and some wings. Of course. Um, two other things I forgot. One of them was a, a Nyax lynx or something like that. And I forget what the third one was. Um, and then in the next tent, there was a displacer beast and a cockatrice, except. I made them, they were major illusions because who in their right mind would actually travel with these things. Uh, and then I had an Umber Hulk in the third tent, also a major illusion because I figure, you know, it's a traveling circus. They're going to try to con people out of stuff. And unfortunately the, the cleric figured it out like right away <laughs> and then gave the guy some pointers on what he should do. Like it was great. It was a lot of fun with how they did that. Um, yeah. And then uh, we had, you know, uh, like a, uh, opening ceremonies, like, so by the church, there was actually, or by the temple, there was actually, you know, like more somber things, but I'm like, yeah, they kind of like totally, you know, holidayed it up kind of like Christmas has become like super duper, like away from the points, you know, in the rest of the city. And so I had like, um, like little elven children doing like a little pageant and just, you know, fun little stuff like that. It was, it was a blast. Everybody had a lot of fun. It was perfect downtime stuff after the the month long uh, you know break that they had uh, in game break, and then uh, next session we're going to start traveling to uh, a place called Trademore for a you know a, a really cool uh, stuff that is coming that I'm not going to talk about right now. Excellent, but you will talk about it soon, and I am excited. Oh yeah! Oh. So so excited for stuff coming up it's gonna be great gonna be absolutely great um but i mean that's just my main campaign what have you been doing i I know that uh you've got an evil campaign going on and i am super excited to hear about what's going on with that going on uh it's 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 turned into into one of my favorites for sure uh it is very shenanigan ridden um and right now we're currently the the whole premise is basically we're a crew that's been hired by this uh, crime boss essentially that was ran out of this very large city uh, and in in really <laughs> shady 
like ways because they were shady and you know it's you know how crime boss stuff oh yeah i mean it's is. it's totally legal exactly so it was like political ouster you know that type of thing <laughs> and so now she's trying to get back in and take back what is hers no oh, of course um, so we're we're part of that crew so we're we're doing jobs we're we're getting protection money and um doing stuff like that this this last time we we <laughs> we got uh basically got a shakedown i i play a satyr wizard very smart dude uh among very tall and big bruisers for the rest of them so it's a it's Makes a sense. very it's a very funny uh dichotomy <laughs> between really smart dude and then uh, several characters with less than ten intelligence, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it makes for it makes for some really really funny stuff. Um, so yeah, that's it's it's going really well. Like I said, here in a little bit, we'll we'll do probably a whole episode on on evil campaigns and how to run them and how to run them safely and what to do from a player perspective, what to do from a DM perspective. Um, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and then I ran a one shot for uh, some friends. Several of them never played D and D before. Oh, very cool! And I I ran through a one shot that this is like my fifth time running it. I've basically kind of created this little one shot scenario within my homebrew world, uh, and it's it's been kind of added to, tweaked, um, more integrated into the world itself as as i've gone and it's been it, it was super funny it's it's been super fun to play interestingly to play this one shot multiple times because it's the main pieces are there but it's the way it's it's been done has been different every single time which is super fun and this this party was hilarious because it was this uh half elven druid uh a centaur a old old lady turtle and <laughs> i um a furbolg <laughs> and nice. so from from my world perspective a very odd odd band that you don't see every day so that was that was kind of fun just in and of itself but it also allowed them to do some some very interesting things uh like and, and, and it caused me to have to to think on my feet quite a bit uh <laughs> Like right at the beginning, the the whole initial premise is that something has been attacking livestock in this farming mm-hmm. farming town, and this all the players are this mercenary band, and they've been hired to find what it is and stop it. That's that's the initial premise. There for, you go for this it's one a, shot. It's a good start, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's a great it's a great start. I usually I start at level three, so that players have have more options to to pick from, but not too overly complicated yeah. uh they start off you know going to this field talking to this farmer uh this cow had been killed and so they were examining it and stuff and but i had a druid there and so they were just like are there more cows and i was like yeah sure there's more cows he's <laughs> like i can't speak with animals okay cool i've got to be a cow now <laughs> so talk to this talk to this other cow named Eggfort, uh and he basically told druid that billy had been killed by this large beast with leathery wings and such and so the druid uh convinced the cow 
to come with them into the woods. Oh man! So the, the farmer is basically just watching one of his other cows just wander off, and so they with they the go mercenaries. And, yeah, with the mercenaries. <laughs> so they basically wander wander into the woods looking. Uh, they start tracking this thing down. They all make hor- horrible perception checks, and this manticore ambushes oh. them. Uh, as the manticore is flying down, right before I'm getting ready to say roll initiative, the, the druid turns to me and goes, I slit the cow's throat. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, Eggfort. <laughs> so kills Eggfort <laughs> to be the, the whole reason she had brought it was to, to be a distraction. Um, oh, that's so smart. I gave, the- I, I gave the opportunity to, to roll to try and you know, uh, distract with fresh, fresh kill, you know, whatever rolls horribly turns into a bear. <laughs> and so the, the bear, basically that the, how I interpreted the dice was the bear overruled the body of the, of the cow, but it was, <laughs> it was super fun. I, and I love playing with new players because it's really fun to see them realize that, they it's not video game limitations. They can do anything. Like mm-hmm. the during the the fight, the Joe's like, "Can I throw the corpse of the cow at the manticore?" And I was like, "Heck yeah, you can! <laughs> Why not?" Just <laughs> uh, chuck the 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 cow corpse at the manticore. It's a it's just super super fun stuff like that. It was it was a great group. Everyone everyone did a great job. The characters were fun and and hilarious and it, it was a good time so i i love doing those every once in a while when i when i have the time especially for new people because it's it's a it's a really fun it's just something i enjoy it's yeah. just something i enjoy doing um so that was that was kind of the the last little bit um my my second campaign is uh preparing for a heist which is which is super fun that'll probably be um next saturday and then tomorrow night which will be friday uh in this case my first campaign is doing our redo uh session because we had a few people who couldn't make it for the big part two battle so i'm i'm excited to get to that and we'll we'll see how that goes very cool meanwhile uh my party will be traveling (laughs) do do trades more uh yeah yeah trade more they've got a long ways to go though uh like plenty of time for things to happen oh yeah like uh, they're going through this place called the everwilds that are rumored to be very dangerous excellent excellent i i i mean what can i say i have a t-rex mini i mean you know you got to use what you got right especially especially when it's a T-Rex mini. Oh yeah, exactly. And the fact that I also, no, I'm not going to say what else I have because yeah, they might run into it. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? All right. Well, uh, that's it. That was a little extra long actually showed yeah, a little bit. Uh, today. So it's more D and D content for your money, which is, which nothing. is nothing. So, <laughs> which is nothing. So enjoy, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy all the, the, the freebie stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Speaking of of uh, giving us stuff, what we would love to get actually is your emails. And if you want to send us an email or have any other questions like Mick did, 
dead. Uh, man, it's it's getting late. My my voice is going. <laughs> yep. That's how that goes. Um, anyways, if you have any questions like Mick did, or you have anything else that you want to just you know bring up, tell us about. You can always email us, send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, even more so though, if you want to be awesome and tweet us some of your adventures, you can go ahead and tweet us at dndiscussions. Well, you know, it's the, the same thing. It's pretty cool like that. And for some reason, though, you listen to the show and you think, man, that Ben guy, he's the worst. I don't want him to know anything that's going on with my D&D stuff. You can send a tweet to just Ryan if you can send it at TBKZord. Uh, give him a follow while you're there because he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, me, however, I'm the worst of the worst. But if you want to follow me anyway, you can follow me at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, it not is true at all. like it sounds. Just not true at all. Ben is, <laughs> ben is a sweetheart and it's well worth the following. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate Continue. that. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, other than that, though, if you're kind of sitting back and, and thinking, what did these guys know about D&D? I bet they don't even play. Well, you obviously skip past the last few minutes. But even more so, uh, you can listen to us in a campaign called Plus Five to Hit. Uh, I am Alwyn Foxgrove, the amazing and very inexperienced bard. Uh, well, Ryan plays my sister, Samantha. And we have a lot of fun with that. Fun we campaign. Just recorded a new episode, which will be out in another couple of weeks, but we just had one released. So definitely check that out. We are having a blast uh, going through Rhyme with the Frostmaiden. So if you're interested in that, check that out. Uh, of course, if this is your first episode and you want to know, hey, where can I find more DN Discussions? You can always find us on our website, dndiscussions.com, or else on uh, iTunes, Google, Spotify, pretty much it wherever you're listening to this right now you can find more episodes so make sure you check that out um but other than that though hey everybody thank you very much for listening and uh, as always be good to each other take care and we'll see you next time